six dead to my tree, yeah. With the cleans, with the kids, our genitalia Yeah, yeah they filming and they stalking, no, they watching, yeah Watch. No, they watching, yeah, don't let them blind, yeah no. Inside your fucking head like some Tylenol Death by numbers, area 51 They try to shut you up when you want to some well, I, I'm really excited to have you guys on because um, you guys are actually the reason why I woke up. Well, one of, one of the main reasons why I woke up like when I was in that process because I started out with um, listening to Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan was kind of like a red pill. He had all these different guests on so you got all these different perspectives and then... Um, Eddie Bravo would come on and start talking about Flat Earth, and I'd be like, "Like this is this might seem like nonsense, but like I, I want to hear more about because he wouldn't just talk about Flat Earth. He would talk about, you know, everything under the sun. And then I'm just like, well, I want to hear more about this. So then he just name drops Tinfoil Hat, and then so I go to the Tinfoil Hat page, and the newest episode that was published was episode 163 with the propaganda report with Monica and Brad. And so no I'm just way. like, first episode, let's hear it. And then so Sam starts going off on some tirade. I'm like, oh, I can't stand this guy. And then and then after like 10 minutes, I'm like, I love this guy. So then I <laughs> I, I instantly fell in love with Sam. Yeah. And then um, like you guys were just going and like this is the kind of soliloquy I want to make. It's just like. I can't stop listening. Like I listen to Drive Time News Blast every day. I had to become a a patron because I want to go to the disappearing patron parties, even though there's been a couple of them and I haven't gone to them yet. But it's just like, Monica, I feel like the way that you put things is just like almost the perfect way to say it. And I feel like you're just a great orator in that sense because sometimes you say exactly how I'm feeling. And then... Really? That's yeah. so great. And then, I wonder if I connect. And um, Brad, like, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but sometimes, like, Monica will, like, overshadow you. But there's, dude, there's some episodes where I'm just like, dude, Brad must be, like, the greatest researcher of all time. Because you're like, yeah, you know, they put out an 80-page document, read it at midnight last night, finished it around 3 a.m. <laughs> and they... And then, you, like, you just have, like, all of this research, and you just throw it out, like, so nonchalantly, like, and you have this amazing ability just to remember it, because I feel like you're not even looking at notes, you're just going off the top of your head sometimes, and, um, and also, like, I, I love to get pumped up, because I'm, I'm in a, I drive in a truck by myself, I deliver uniforms, um, for different, for various companies, and sometimes I have, like, quite a drive in between stops, and so, um, Brad, you were talking about um, some kind of local politics in Georgia. And you were like, yeah, and he's taking freaking money and it's a joke. I'm like, yeah, it is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you just pump me up sometimes like that, dude. So I just yeah, want to say, like, sweet. you guys, like, you guys... One of the main reasons why I woke up in the Clinton Global Initiative was what you guys were talking about in episode 163. And so I just feel like I'm almost forever indebted to you guys and Sam for really that jumping off point and getting me interested in all these kinds of topics. I hope 
hope we didn't ruin your life by scales <laughs> from your eyes. Seriously. No, no. I mean, I honestly couldn't imagine uh, passing the time with anything else. And before I was doing what I was doing now, I was uh, driving for FedEx. And so I was doing like six to 10 hour days of, and I was just listening to nonstop podcasts. And so I got like a PhD in yeah. conspiracy theories and, you know, politics and exercise and just like everything under the sun because I just had so much time to fill with listening to podcasts and stuff like that. What state are you in? Did I miss that? Wait, I just sent you something. I'm in Texas now. Yeah, I just sent you a mug. Yes. <laughs> you didn't get it yet. But Not I yet, no. Imagine your scene. Yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of miles because Texas is big. Well, I mean... I, mean, I know you're not going border to border, but yeah. it's just, it has expanses. It's just way more spread out. I'm from New York originally where it takes two hours to go 15 miles seriously yeah like, that's no joke and actually that's true in la also but in texas it's a little bit different you get some kind of breathing room in your travels yep and you guys were talking about because i actually moved from the chicago area to austin but then you guys were talking about on an episode maybe last week or two weeks ago, like all these people are moving to Austin. Joe Rogan's in Austin. All these Cali people are going to Austin. You're like, you better watch out. Like Austin's going to be the next spot. I'm like, no. I'm sorry. I was ready to go to Austin. I know. I should, I should care a little bit more about the impact of my words, but I just tell you what I think. We were, we're just renting in L.A. We were planning to move to Austin. And I just, like, I just panicked when I saw all these people from L.A. Everybody I talked to, I start talking to people, and they're like, oh, sorry, I hate to break this to you, I'm moving. And I'm like, you're moving to Austin, aren't you? Yeah! (laughs) And then they're talking on the radio about how Texas is, might even be a purple state, which is just unbelievable. And I'm like, yeah, they're sending everybody from California to go vote blue in Texas. But Austin was always kind of pretty liberal, and it may survive if people go there who like it for what it is. So I don't know. I like Austin, and I probably will end up in Austin anyway. But <laughs> I just hope it doesn't get too L.A. Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking the same exact thing. Um, it's happening in Georgia as well. Where yes, they brought the well, films there. Yeah, that was terrible. And they're talking about Trump's going to be here on Friday giving a speech, and uh, Biden's wife was here. We got his wife. We didn't get Biden, but she was here last week, I think. Because they think that it's a swing state now. At least that's what they, they're claiming. Yeah, and she's, she put Texas on her list, too. Wow. Yeah. I know. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we get to talking about some of this stuff. Um, <laughs> you guys know that Trump's rally, um, uh, where was it? I think it was by Georgetown University. Um, it was on Division Street. I'm just like, oh, that's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's where they held the campaign rally was on Division Street. Yeah. But, you know, we get to talking about some of this stuff, and I can't help but get pessimistic about the future. And I, I, I'm into all of this stuff about, like, self-actualization and manifesting uh, your reality and all of these things. But, you know, I just can't help but... You know, seeing all these things coming down the pipe with Operation Warp Speed, getting every American vaccinated by 2021, and all these other things. And I'm just like, I there's a train coming 
coming down, and I don't know how to stop it. If you guys have I any feel thoughts, the same way. yeah. I mean, I just I don't know how to think about it, and I, I the closest I came really to trying to get my mind around it was a it, it was the conversation with Grimerica that we published on Friday, mm-hmm. where I mean I just it it has been really depressing to me, but the way Darren uh, Grimes said that if they really have this kind of power then they they probably always have and there's probably nothing you can do about it and you have been living in the cage that you're that you he didn't go this far but like i've been thinking about it ever since and just thought well then really i see myself living in it reminds me of the star trek pilot menagerie I, i i see myself living in this zoo or cage in the future but i think we've been living in it all along ever since kind of the constitution didn't matter anymore we talk about it as if it matters but it really didn't matter like once you had roe versus wade or the actually it's the interstate commerce clause under i think fdr where it just started and maybe ike with the with the roads it just the 10th once the 10th amendment died it's really, or actually, even the Civil War. The Civil War kind of, it, it was total overreaching. It denied the right to secede. And once you had that, then we really aren't living under the system that we think we're living under. And I just realized that now I can no longer deny that. Like, my, the scales have been peeled from my eyes yet again. And I think, you know, maybe I just need to get comfortable with it because I was living like that before. But that comes under the category of, like, these articles I've been reading where it's like, yeah, just accept it. It won't hurt so much if you if you just accept it and if you just go along with it. And as my husband was quoting Rick and Morty, he was like, just let this happen. You know, it's like <laughs> totally, you know, it's like totally uh, sick and twisted to think like that. But, but it may be the reality. And I do feel like it's kind of a POW type thing. Uh, way of thinking, a prisoner type thinking where you're kind of in solitary you never got that phone call, nobody knows you're there, nobody's coming to help you and you're always going to live there forever and then they're like, you know what but we have a nice garden you know, and you get three squares and a cot and I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. And honestly, like I'm starting to think that way and that's that's like a terrible way, to, that makes my soul sad makes me want to go to church but the churches are closed, yeah, and uh, for good reason. Or it makes me want to go to a bar, and the bars are closed. Or it makes me want to like get some exercise, but the gyms are closed. So I think they're they're covering all the bases and making sure that our minds just kind of bust through to the other side of acceptance. I think it's about focusing on what can be done individually, about the obstacles in front of you. I think. When we think about it as this big superstructure, almost, almost subhuman super villain type, then it, of course it's going to be overwhelming because that one we over we give I think too much credit to humans as though they have abilities above and beyond. They might have technology above and beyond, but abilities they're they're still subject to human flaws, human bias, and I don't think they're monolithic. And I think trying to think about how do I take them down as an individual is an overwhelming, impossible task. I think what you can do on your own and 
it's like thinking about it like the Matrix. You can see all the wiring inside the, the web, and you can maneuver through that wiring in ways that you were unable to maneuver before and actually accomplish things that previously you might have thought you weren't able to accomplish because propaganda had drilled it into your head that you couldn't do certain things. So that's how I try to think about it. I try to think about it as by recognizing the way these things work, it's a gift because it enables you to overcome boundaries and obstacles that previously you wouldn't even try to overcome because you didn't think you could. Oh, yeah, and and I'm not giving up, man. I mean, I go I go marching out with my signs, and, like, I feel so goofy when I go out there with a COVID is a hoax sign, and then, you know, people are, <laughs> people are honking at me, fuck you, and I'm just like... <laughs> Dude, you can only imagine. But then some people are like, hell yeah! So, like, I, I I feel good and bad about it because, like, some people are awake, but then some people, do the vitriol, the vitriolic response that you get from some of these people when you tell them that you don't think that there is a virus or anything like this. And I was actually a little disappointed. I know you guys had Isaac Weishaupt on uh, recently, and I love that dude. I listened to a bunch of his stuff. But he was saying how uh, he didn't, you know, people are out there saying that you can't catch a virus at all and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, Isaac, dude, because he 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 said this stuff periodically throughout his podcast. Like uh, before he looked into vaccines, he was like, oh, well, you know, this vaccine hysteria is probably overblown. Then he did like a eight eight part episode on vaccines. He's like. He, w- he was having a conversation with Jay Dyer, and he was just like, yeah, you know, I think I'm now what you call an anti-vaxxer. And then Jay Dyer's like, welcome to the club. And so I'm just like, Isaac, look into diseases spreading because, you know, I did a shit ton of research for my last podcast on the corona hoax. And, like, listening to all these guys and Dr. Andrew Kaufman and – um uh, Monica, who's that guy that uh, you really like? Oh, I think you're muted, Monica. So sorry. It's I'm all just good. trying to make sure I don't give you some noise or anything. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so David Crow. David Crow. Uh, the guy I love. And there's also Thomas Cowan, who's an, a doctor. I think it might have been one of the last interviews David Crow did. And there, and I just read a book called Virus Mania by a couple of German guys, a journalist and a doctor out of Germany that was very um, informative. Then there was the um, Inventing the AIDS Virus, which a listener sent me, thank you, a, a different Johnny, but Johnny. And um, that had an intro by Carrie Mullis, who is the Nobel laureate, yep. who got the Nobel Prize for inventing the PCR test which is being misused, according to Carrie Mullis, who died in August, weirdly, a year ago. And then the other uh, author was, it's Peter Duesberg, who is a Berkeley researcher, and he basically got isolated, pushed out into the cold for writing that book and for just tracing the roots of this HIV-AIDS misconnection. But those guys are all kind of on to this idea that that viruses it's it's called germ theory for a reason Mm -hmm. that's kind of where you where i leave it 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And then, you know, just with the overwhelming amount of statistics that we have now with, like, the 94% number, and also uh, Stanford came out with a study saying that you have a 1 in 19.1 million chance of contracting and dying of coronavirus. I was like, if that isn't the silver bullet, I don't know what is at this point. But, I mean, it's just the steady stream of propaganda that keeps coming out that have people believing it all. And the masks, everywhere you go, you see everybody wearing masks, you think everybody's believing it. But then if you go to the grocery store and you see me with a mask, I never have it over my nose. But I wear it it in just so I can get in. Um, But then you see me. You wear it on the back of your head? Yeah. (laughs) Chin diaper. Oh, I went to uh, I went to uh, this place in Austin called Boehner's the other day with my girlfriend, and our server was doing the triple mask, double glove. I'm just like, Take the shield. Yeah, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Well, a lot of times I sympathize with people who are just trying to work, and to be honest, I think they can't let on any kind of suspicion because. Because this stuff does have so much uh, um, signaling value, that's what it's there for. If you, people are trusting that they can be in your presence because they figure that you are uh, hypochondriacally or um, OCD style washing your hands and being super, super neat. If you betray to them any kind of suspicion, then they have to think that when you're not being watched, maybe you're engaging in reckless behavior, you know, like uh, you're not using your whatever hand condoms or like whatever the analogy would be from years gone by. But I feel like you, in order to not be super scrutinized, you want to kind of be in the straight and narrow. So if I have to, to breathe and take my mask, and I'm in California, so if I have to breathe, I want people to think that it's like, I really don't want to, but I'm desperate for air, rather than thinking that, yeah, that I'm like a scoff COVID, you know, like I just, I don't believe it, so I don't care. That's because they treat you differently. So if you go into a store and they don't respect those kind of rules and all that, then they feel like you might call somebody on them. That you, they don't, don't want to, it, it's very... It really is like that kind of dystopian, totalitarian thing where you don't, people are always nervous that somebody's going to know what they really think and you have to speak in code. It just, it's out of both history and, and, you know, the book's like 1984. It's, it comes also out of like Chinese or, or, or German history and also out of this dystopian sci fi stuff that we were given. So just, and every story. In the media about masks, it, it always they they pick this one instance of one person doing something that they can frame as crazy, and they portray this image of people who don't wear masks as being these homicidal lunatics. That the CDC literally putting out a warning that someone without a mask might come into your store and try to choke your employees. <laughs> that, that's gonna that, that's gonna make people like oh shit every time somebody without a mask comes on. And it's going to create this tension, even if they don't want to be wearing a mask themselves. And that call, like, I know I've walked in a few times forgetting, just forgetting about the mask. Usually it's when I'm on my phone and I get about halfway into the store and I'm kind of like, oh shit, I don't have my mask on. (laughs) Yeah. And then suddenly 
people who might have looked at me before and I wouldn't have thought anything of it, it's now amplified and I'm like, why are these people looking at me? Is it, so I'm trying to make my way out like an operative, you know, sneaking behind things nobody can see me. It, it's it's insane. Well, there's a story the other day on, a, on an airplane. There was a guy who got thrown off an airplane, physically thrown off, drug off. People were shouting at him. It's called COVID-19 because oh he was only wearing a face shield. And the article is referring to him as an anti-mask. Can you imagine putting on a face shield and still getting portrayed as an anti-masker? So, you know, I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, you know what? The face shield might be the move because then you don't have anything directly over your mouth. And, like, and then yeah. pe- people would just be like, oh, he's got the face shield. Like, that's fine. But then, like, I, I can actually breathe. It is. It's yeah. just like plastic. Like, think about that. It's like a sneeze guard at a salad bar. Like, nothing could be grosser in my mind than just this piece of plastic that if there is, like, uh, infectious spit spewing out of your face, like, do you really want... It dripping on, based on a puke, just think Better that than a face what, mask. Whatever. You know people aren't watching them. People are reusing the same face oh, mask. Totally, of course. Oh, yeah, and the, I, I got in this Uber the other day, and uh, he had a giant plexiglass plastic d- dividing between, like, the driver's portion and the passenger portion of the car, and it was just covered in, like, spittle <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, gross, dude. I'm like, you couldn't just wipe this thing down before I got in here or something. But yeah, it's, yeah, just... it's like the, the masks are like sweaty t-shirts. The ones that, because the kids all have the gator ones. The ones they say are worse than wearing no mask. Yep. And they wear them around the wrist and they sweat in them and then they put them on. I'm like, what is, what is this accomplishing? <laughs> well, that might be improving their immune system. Perhaps because it's just bombarding them with germs. Well, there were those stories. There were those stories coming out about um, people getting like bacterial pneumonia and um, mouth uh, like staph infection around their mouth from oh. wearing masks way too much. They're just breathing in that hot, humid uh, residue on their mask, and it was giving them bacterial pneumonia. Yeah, this is what I always. This is one thing that I I do. Like, I think of terrain theory and even miasma theory and germ theory. And I think, how do you if, you, if you have, like, a real colony of some kind of bacteria that can eat human cells, and you make that colony big and strong at the same time that you're weakening the human cells a bit, like, depriving it of oxygen or bombarding it with carbon dioxide or whatever... Then if you put those two things together, then yes, you're going to have an infection take root, I think. I mean, I I never did get a chance to follow up with David Crow about bacteria because we only talked about viruses, which I think are very different. Mm -hmm. Well, they are very different. But that kind of thing where you're offering an environment for bacteria to create a robust colony and, and put it very close to an organ, like a mucous membrane, that you are weakening, I mean, I think that that should be something that is in the literature for for how they assess the overall health approach that they're taking to this. And they, t- they spend all this money on bailing out companies and everything. Very little of the bailout money is going to actual science, to the research, to whatever. And I just think that that betrays that they're really not in it for the health and maybe the opposite. And I was just watching um, 
James Corbett's documentary yesterday about the crisis in science and about how 70% yes. of studies are irreproducible and all yeah, the of these. Non-replication, yeah, the non replication, non crisis. It's crazy. And then, so you have all these things coming out, and you know, he leads it off with. Uh, chocolate, like oh, eating chocolate every single day actually helps improve weight loss, and then yeah, you know what I think it is actually. Mm. Um, I don't know for sure, but I think that the non-replicability crisis is because not because science and the scientific method is flawed. I mean, I'd have to look at his sources and double check this, but I think that theoretically and actually, randomly controlled trials where you take totally randomly selected people who people who don't get to say no or don't choose to answer the phone like really random selection you control one group by making sure it is completely insulated from the experimental variable and then you give that other person the variable and you do it under statistically sound circumstances double blind all of that stuff it seems to me that should give you good answers. And the reason it's not that I would say a big contributor to the non-replicability crisis is that, and you can see it in the science that we're being fed right now, which is they just kind of hack away at it. So I was trying to find randomly controlled trials on masks, on hand washing, on um, asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic viral shedders actually transmitting the disease or even shedding the virus actually mm -hmm. and because very few of the actual studies are randomly controlled trials then you have a lot of uncontrolled variables you have a lot of biases at play so the science itself wouldn't be bad but the methods allow they're like, well, that's the gold standard. That's the ideal um, in best circumstances. But we have to just hope that these like uh, tainting variables offset each other. But that's not okay. And I and that's where I think this that that you have so even not only is it non-replicable, it's actually contradictory in real time. The same people will cite, you know, will change their minds over time because they're not looking at the original studies with that kind of scrutiny. And that's where I think this believe the science thing it's like you don't believe science science is science it proves itself and beyond that it's just a political thing yeah and they have a clear a clear agenda to when you have fauci back in march telling 60 minutes almost almost mocking people who were promoting wearing masks telling them people don't need to be walking around in mask at all saying Stuff similar to what Trump has said, to what's obvious that people touch their face too much and it gets dirty, could act actually increase the possibility of you getting some sort of germ. I mean, he said this in March, and then fast forward, and they're taking things that Trump said back in March, and they're they're framing them out of context and making him, oh, he knew about the virus, this and that, but but nobody mentions Fauci. Because that was the message back then, and now now Fauci is saying to, to wear. In fact, the other day I saw Fauci in an interview tell someone he was asked about jogging while wearing a mask, mm. and he said that it's kind of like waterboarding, and then he being waterboarded, and then he recommended wearing a mask while jogging <laughs> anyway. That is just so perfect, man. It just shows you the times that we live in, and it, like the. To your point, the Surgeon General also tweeted in like all caps, please people, do not wear masks. We need them for medical workers, like in all caps. It's like, why aren't we holding their feet to the fire right now? And you guys mentioned Trump, and 
I, I was so happy with uh, when you called out Graham for being like, oh, you believe Trump's Batman. And it's just like, dude, I have been against the, the Q phenomenon since 2018. And I, I could never understand the very moment I knew Trump was 100% controlled, 100% a puppet, is when he gave $100 billion to Saudi Arabia in arms. In, in missiles and ammo and guns and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, so he's gone. Because we know that the declassified 9-11 documents, you know, well, I mean, you know, I think it was all an inside job and everything like that. But what they've disclosed, it, like with their own stuff, they've said that, you know, 17 of the 18 hijackers or whatever came from Saudi Arabia. Tell and Osama Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And Bush whisked them out of the country. The next day, the only thing in the air were the Bin Ladens being whisked to safety. <laughs> and it's, it's all so information. Crazy. It's all information that we had at the time. And then it just I'm makes me... Say, it's in the official narrative. I'm not even saying you had to look at the undisclosed thing. I'm saying they came out on 9-11 and said 15 Saudis blew up the Detroit. I'm like, okay. And this <laughs> Saudi mastermind. You know, like you don't need anything else. Well, actually, Monica, we had the passport from one of the hijackers, so. (laughs) (laughs) People's shoes were coming down without anybody. That was all that was left of them. And this guy's pristine passport was found, like, whatever, by a cop. Yeah. Total BS. And then, but that was just the moment that I knew that Trump was 100% controlled. He gave $100 billion worth of arms to Saudi Arabia, which they're using in a genocide against Yemen. I'm like, 100% puppet, 100% controlled. That's another thing. Yemen was supposedly, if you ever listened to Michael Scherer, I think his name is, if I remember correctly, Scheuer. And he said he was the head of the bin Laden unit of the CIA or something, whatever. And he was saying how Yemen was completely in in the chatter like they if they if they connected the dots between saudi arabia and yemen they and maybe pakistan or whatever they would have known all about this and it was it was just a big screw up yet yemen continues to be our ally and only did we support attacking yemen it was after that regime was deposed so we were fine with Yemen when they did 9-11 or contributed to 9-11 or were implicated in 9-11. But when that regime ended, then they had to go. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you don't need to do a special commission. It's just answer that question in a way. It's just self-evident. Uh-huh. Anyway, sorry. But yes, yes, I think I can't remember like the moment I was like Trump is obviously – I think it was the day he got elected when he said, and I'll give you that infrastructure plan that Republicans have always wanted. You know, it's like, that's crazy. <laughs> $5 trillion infrastructure plan? It's like, yeah. I yeah. Mean, now, with a $4 trillion deficit, probably two years running, how anyone can think there's anything going on here, but but a what that Australian Max guy says, the, the Patriot appeasement program or whatever patriot suppression program where he just makes sure that people 
trust the plan. You know, stay home. I've got everything under control. And meanwhile, he's like burning down the country or at least letting Democrats burn down the country or whatever. But we've got these huge deficits. We're a completely what MacArthur said to JFK about if you want to destroy this country, you have to destroy the economy. That's happening right now on his watch. Yeah, it's trust the plan on one side, trust the bias, or trust the science on the other. And all they're either doing are, are follow, trusting their bias, their confirmation. Trust, bias. trust, trust, trust. You're right. And I read an article today on Amy Coney Barrett saying truth isn't truth. It's, it's truth is informed by your belief system. So she might believe in her truth, but her I don't believe in her truth and she shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. I'm like, well, the fact that believe and truth and facts and faith and opinion are all different words with different meanings, just there, you know, trust the plan, trust the science, trust the science. Why do you have to trust the science? Why can't you just read the science? You know, science you isn't proven fact. The way that it works is that you, you strengthen your argument or your theory by trying to disprove what your theory is. And they're like, trust the scientific method. That's that's how it works. But it just, I mean, it it once once there is something demonstrated with, you know, I would say scientific certainty. Let's say once something is truly demonstrated, and a lot of times just the observation of your own uh, of the things that happen around you that you control that you can see yourself. I mean, to me, if you can just see the evidence of your own eyes of causation. I mean, that's science to me too. But if you have something that science can prove pretty convincingly, you don't have to tell people to believe in it or trust it. They yep. will just do it because that's how the world works. And if they want the outcomes that they seek, they are going to respect the relationships that they know exist. And I was saying this on my podcast. Um, I was like, why do they have to constantly remind us that there's a earth-shattering pandemic right outside of our door? Where are the bodies? They're not stacking up because if we turned off the TV, put down the cell phones, and we went outside and lived our lives, we would never know there was this chaotic, devastating pandemic wiping out droves of people because it, it doesn't exist. I mean, back in the... Back in the early 1900s, you think they needed to be reminded that there was a pandemic going on? Bodies were piling up, apparently. Do you think that, I, I will say this, I do know people over this winter who got a weird sickness. It was almost like a cross between the flu, a cold, and strep throat. I, and I don't, we don't get that sick in my house, so I don't know the difference between all that stuff like we're not like people get super sick all the time so i don't know we rarely get the flu one of my kids did get the flu this year and tested positive for the flu so i know it wasn't covid mm -hmm. but they I, have a flu I, test I, <laughs> yeah there was an a and a b yeah they they gave him the test and he got positive for flu a now i don't know if it's the same nonsense test as we get for the other stuff but i there were there seemed to be i mean People get sick. Like, I don't know why. I, you know, it is just called germ theory, and there was miasma theory, and there is strain theory. And, it, you know, there's toxins, there's radiation, there's malnutrition, there's lack of activity, there's lack of vitamin uh, D, there's um, stress, like all these things that cause illness, no question about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so if you try to 
you can't you can't invalidate. I think that people get sick because here we're we're headed into another cold and flu season. People will get sick, and also people do get sick from the vaccination. Like people do get mild flu-like symptoms after the flu vaccine. That's like considered okay. That's not even considered a pathology of the thing. It's just so we're gonna have that, and I, I think we just need to. I mean, it's the it's the panic. It's the terror. It's the it's all the implication, it's the policies, it's the stress, it's all these things that people can't, they can't get their minds around. And then if you do start to panic and they jam a, a ventilator down your throat or they give you something that might make you actually sicker, it just feeds in on itself. So I really don't know how to talk about it in a way that puts people's feet back on the ground. But, but yeah. yeah, like, you know, how do I just ask people, do you know an unusually high number of people who are seriously ill? The, That's the question. There's That's a psychological the element is. to that as well that it's hard to talk about, too. Because it, if I tell you somebody, if I say, don't scratch your elbow, your elbow itches, your elbow itches, don't touch it, don't touch your elbow, your elbow, you'll, 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 go crazy because you'll have to scratch your elbow i'm not saying that people aren't feeling i I know people also as well who said they got the flu and it was unlike any flu they've had before and i'm not saying that that's not true but what i'm saying is there is an impact that when you hear all these different types of symptoms being repeated over and over and over again and if you are truly in a state of fear of this and you're going to start thinking about it and simply by focusing on those symptoms and then focusing on do i feel this is this that you could in a way psychologically create this feeling of symptoms that you've never felt before that that may or may not be new something that you haven't experienced and i think that um you know dr thomas cowan talks about this and i've listened to a bunch of uh podcasts about this and it's the electric universe, man. I mean, we're electrical beings, and Dr. Thomas Cowan talks about our heart, our heart not being a pump, but like a release valve, and all these kinds of things. So, I, I, I too remember it was uh, late December or early January when I got sick as a dog. Now, I, I do remember drinking three days heavily prior to that. So, <laughs> so that could have that could have played a factor. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But um I do remember getting unusually very sick. And you know, I I I don't know what to um uh ascribe that to, but um from what I know, Dr. Thomas Cowan and all of these other people, uh there's this really interesting guy, I think his name is Eric Dollard, and he is doing some like Tesla stuff right now where he can make like free energy and like very low capacity, but I mean he shows his experiments on YouTube and stuff like that. It's very interesting. Um, so who knows if they, you know, were doing a test run of 5G or something like that. And I'm not one of these 5G guys saying, like, it's going to be the 5G kill grid taking us all out. Like, I think that it's a slow and steady thing with um, electricity impacting our bodies. Like Dr. Thomas Cowan talks about, he knew this electrician that worked on 5G towers or 4g towers whatever it was at the time and um he was completely fine even though uh these technicians that work on these cell towers have a high morbidity rate Dude, um crazy high suicide rate remember yep. Binkley, when i like threw that out and somebody some caller on wsb was like 
stop with your BS. You don't know. Don't, don't cite a study if you can't, you know, remember where it was. And I, I just remembered it distinctly. So at the break, I found it. And I just, oh, it was from the National Institute of Health. And uh, I just was always astounded by the, the dramatically higher rate of suicide against, uh, among people who work on those electrical towers. Well, and that, that's, what I was, uh, um, that's what I was getting to is that this guy that Thomas Cowan knew had fell, broken his leg, came back months later with a metal uh, iron rod or aluminum rod in his leg. Then after just like a month or two of being back on the cell towers, was completely ridden with all of these tumors throughout his leg, surrounding the metal pole in his leg. So we know that metal, you know, with these cell towers shooting their beams and everything like that, the metal, it were reflects off the metal and then it creates these tumors now you bring vaccines into it which have a high concentration of aluminum you get everybody uh vaccinated with all the this aluminum you start up you know switch on the 5g and then we have a real situation on our hands or at least it, it's something to watch out for i wonder about that stuff too i mean i i just i notice even Honestly, like I feel, although I don't feel like people are, seem sick to me around me, like colds, flus and stuff, I haven't seen much of that. I feel like they're, it, it, people are less healthy probably because they did close the gyms and there have been fires out here. They told people not to go out. I mean, it's, it just, it seems very obvious that they are um, controlling the population to a certain kind of behavior and outcome that they want that doesn't always make logical sense but i you know there may be an element of that kind of stuff that's bad for you it's just hard to know um you know maybe just the fact that everybody's on the internet all the time i mean there that may be not great for you this is powerful stuff our brains are electrical organs aren't they oh yeah, yeah and what was it it was the the seat of the un brussels they wouldn't even do a 5g test or experiment they were doing because radiation levels exceeded the legal amount that they're supposed to have in that area. I don't know if that is is lower than most places in the country or or most places in the world, but the iPhone 12, which is Apple's first like 5G iPhone, was announced today, and that was a, a big buzz, or it is a big buzz, and the talk is how fast is it gonna be once it's fully integrated with the network that is being built to support it. That's fantastic, man. I can't wait for that. And then <laughs> my girlfriend my girlfriend uh, had an upgrade. She gets the iPhone where you have to use your face to unlock it. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you have me as a boyfriend and you're going to go get the face unlock iPhone? And she's just like, but it's so convenient. I'm just like, that's going to be the real downfall is like the convenience of all this. And then when you have to get the smart mark or whatever it is, so you can go into the grocery store and you don't even have to check out. You just walk right out the door or whatever it is. Scan your wrist. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's been, I don't know if you guys have been looking at all of the predictive programming and all of the movies and shows that have shown all this stuff. Like, there's this Netflix uh, show for kids, and it's talking about smart marks and how you get it, uh, 
tattooed right on your wrist and then you know in the book of revelation it says it's either on the wrist or in the forehead and then all of these other things with uh the track trace database and this is all like a netflix kids show yeah they got a ton of stuff that they've been putting out that is right uh promoting these themes watch utopia on amazon prime it was just released last week i believe and it's about a bill gates if bill gates were cooler type person or bill gates were more not so dainty in the way that he presented himself a super rich dude who creates a pandemic to get the public to beg for a vaccine and it's got every element are you kidding me right now. <laughs> yeah. and it, it finished recording in october of 2019 which wow. is when event 201 was yes and oh my god dude so this is this is kind of why I wanted to tell you guys and see your reaction to this. Um, have you guys ever heard about gematria? I don't think so. I have heard of that. So what is that? It's it's uh, kind of just simply described as Jewish numerology, where you assign. A letter to each, or you sign a number to each letter of the alphabet. Like a, a big number in Gematria is 26. Because oh, yes, I was just listening to the higher side chat. And he, he was talking to Zach Hubbard. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Zach, I've been listening to Zach since 2016. But when I first heard him, I thought it was complete bullshit. Yeah, I'm not convinced. But I mean, he wow. was just rattling off one after the other. So I never. The only thing that makes me wonder about that stuff is if there are a thousand words associated with an event, a hundred of them may have the same, will have the same number, or ten of them will have the same number. So you can associate, you know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. can, you can select, if you have the time or you have the algorithm, whatever, a, a program, you can make it happen. But it all... it. For me, what convinced me is how someone's, um, like Adolfo Nicholas, the um, the leader of the Jesuits, he died on the 225th day of the year, and his name in Gematria equals 225. I know, but would you also not say, like, he died on the 225th second, or the 225th minute, or the 225th hour, or like that many... 225 somethings before something else like i think if you you could overlay i'm not trying to argue because no 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 i mean i think really this is valid. really interesting but i just i feel like if you are you can find anything you're looking for if you have enough possible like variables to choose from because you know number every if you can numerize whatever quantify is really making it to numbers any relationship, some of those relationships are going to have overlapping numbers. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but, for instance, um, baseball. The word baseball equals 162, so there's four ciphers, um, equals 162, 54, and 18. So, And it equals 18 in two ciphers. So how many games are there in a season? 162. How many, more, how many outs are in a game? 54 total, 27 for each team. And then how many innings are there in a game? Nine, but each team gets to bat each oh, inning, so there's how, 18. What's a cipher? You, you have to explain it to me. Okay. Um, so 
the first cipher is the English ordinal, where A equals 1, B equals 2, yeah. all the way to right, Z, yeah. 26. Yeah. And then there's the full reduction cipher, and these two ciphers were laid out in Manly P. Hall's uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages. Um, he talks about gematria, and he was a 33rd degree Freemason, which also kind of spitballing off of that, uh, Freemasonry was founded in 1717, or modern Freemasonry was founded in 1717, and the highest, um, the highest order, or the highest, um, Degree you can get in the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry is 33. Well, isn't it kind of convenient how Trump on October 1st said that he got coronavirus exactly 1,717 days after his inauguration and also 33 days before the uh, election? I did see that 33 number. I see yeah, 30, 33. 33, 33 days and then 1717 um, after his inauguration. I never heard that number before, right? So the seven, I've heard skull and bones numbers associated with the Illuminati, with Freemasonry. I've heard that 17, I don't know what it is, 86 number or 1776 number or something like that. I have heard a lot of those numbers, but I never heard 1717 before. And I just feel like you can... You can back into a lot of that. 33 is a powerful number, and 33 days until the election, that is a, num- a number you actually count. Like, people would say, oh, it's 33 days until the election, and that would... So that's a number that seems to have independent significance. So if you're going to match it with something, I'd say, okay. And um, kind of like Zach... I was re-listening to that Higher Side Chat thing today. Uh, Zach was talking about how Flight 77 crash into the Pentagon, which is 77 feet tall and is on the 77th meridian. And then one of the firefighters that died in 9-11, his daughter died in a pancake eating contest. Pancake eating contest no equals 77. Way. Yeah. And pancake eating, isn't isn't that how he died? Who? You know what I mean? Like, wasn't the, weren't the buildings pancaked? Yep, yep. Pan- Pan- the pancake yeah. theory. Yeah. What, what was her... What was her thing that she did? The number related to her death? Uh, seventy-seven. Like flight seventy-seven crashed into the Pentagon. Well, why was it? What? Yeah, seventy-seven but... pancakes. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, pancake eating contest equals seventy-seven in gematria. Oh, okay. So here's my question oh, about the gematria and those things. This is what I have to ask you. Yep. So you said baseball is one sixty-two, fifty-four, and eighteen. Yep. Why? So. Baseball. One of those numbers, three number numerals, and you know three digits, and the other two are two digits. Do you always reduce to one digit, to two digits, or to three digits, and how do you decide? So uh, the second cipher is the full reduction cipher where um, numerology comes in. So A is one, B is two, all the way to um, whatever the tenth letter is. Yeah. Um, J. J. Okay. The tenth letter would be one plus zero back to one. So, and then you would just go like that, and then so the 11th would be 1 plus 1 equals 2, and then so on and so forth. So Z would be 2 plus 6 equals 8. That would be that cipher, and you go by each letter. Um, and then you basically, the, the last two ciphers are just reverse of the first two, um, which Zach Hubbard came, uh, he allegedly found those two ciphers throughout his work. But the first two ciphers were in Manly P. Hall, 33rd degree Freemason, so, the secret teachings so of all on. ages. So you reduce, so Z is eight? Yes. Okay. 
So you reduce the entire 26 letters of the alphabet. Every one of those letters is reduced to a single digit number. So that yes. you reuse. So there's like three eights. Mm-hmm. Three different numbers are an eight, right? So yep. So H is an eight and Z is an eight. Okay. So then you assign those numbers to the word baseball and then you add them all together. Yes. Right? And what number do you get? So for the English ordinal, you get 162. And then I believe... Um, okay, so let me just ask you this. Okay. Does anyone ever add 6, 1, and 2? Or is it just 162? Everyone accepts that 162 is the English ordinal of the, of the word baseball. No, you can, you can take it a step further and then reduce uh, the 162 to its, uh, its single-digit number. Um, 6, 7, 8, 9. So it would be 9. Yeah. But when would you decide that that's the one you want to use? Because I just feel like now all of a sudden baseball has a lot of, you know, many possible numerical values, and then you could just well, pick so and choose. I just I I thought it was interesting, and like I'm no I'm no guru. I just can I, I, can I say something right now? Yeah. The, the flasher just popped up on screen, and it was like. I can't remember what the stat was. Seventy-seven was for the Braves, Dodgers, and it was like three innings pitched, three hits, three runs. I think that's what. It oh was. my god, <laughs> that's perfect. Oh my god, yeah. So is that a coincidence, or is that is that uh, somebody magical messing with us, or are they just putting those numbers out there to because that they wouldn't be citing that if it weren't a significant no? But seriously, like I just wonder. If when sometimes I hear people quote the value of a number of a word as one digit or two digits or three digits, and it just makes me wonder if you get to pick and choose from different possible values for each word, that makes it a lot easier to match it up with other numbers of significance. And I know that I'm not trying to give you a hard time. Oh, no, no, no. I, no, I, this is where it breaks down for me. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I love it. Um, I'm working on getting Zach on my podcast, and he could explain it in better detail than he has in the past. Um, like I said, but you're I, satisfied. Oh, I'm I'm completely satisfied. Um, it's stood the test of time, and I can I can uh, decode Gematria uh, in almost every single CNN article. So, um, like the my girlfriend would always hear me talk about this. But she would never really see it in an actual example. So I, w- I went to CNN. I'm like, pick any article. She picks one. It's like, uh, Farmer's Almanac predicts polar coaster um, in upcoming 2019 winter. And so you type in Farmer's Al- Almanac, and then polar coaster was in quotations. So then you type in polar coaster, and they had... Um, Oh, I think perfect gematria overlap. So they they both equal the exact same numbers. And what Zach would say is that they put those in the high, in the quotations to signal to you this is what they're encoding into the article. And then so many times with these articles, you you can just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And they you know they have this quote from this one farmer, and then they have this quote from the scientist about the polar coaster, and then. It just all ends up equaling up, and I'm not doing a very good job of convincing you guys right now. Well, no, I just what I'm really bottom line is what why what value do you so if it if it is 
meaningful or consistent or has value, what value does it have to you in your experience? Because if you're spending time on it, if it's got your interest, then it probably has some value. Well, I just think it's how the cabal encodes uh, their rituals and stuff. Uh, I mean, I read all of these books about secret societies and stuff like that, and I've just never found anything more compelling than Gematria and these dates and uh, you know the Gematria, their name sums to the days. Like, perfect example. Um, on January 21st, we had the first confirmed case of coronavirus while Trump was speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. So that was 222 days after his birthday on June 14th. Um, and why 222 is really um, an eye-popping number is because as above, so below equals 222, Freemasonic slogan. Order out of chaos, another Freemasonic slogan, equals 222. Do they both? Yes. And then um, World Economic Forum equals 222. New York, Dude, New York, New that? York equals 222, where it was Which the worst. That's the World Economic Forum is who puts on Davos. Yes. Yeah. In New York, New York, the worst affected area was, uh, it was the worst affected by the Wuhan coronavirus, which equals 222. And then... Yeah, they call it that, and it's such a weird thing to call it. I almost would think that they call it that because they want... Exactly. Know, they want that numerical that, okay. value. So... Okay. Can I make one more point? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, the date it was declared a pandemic... Um, March 11th was exactly 222 months after 9-11. And people were calling this the new 9-11. Interesting. There's a lot of this stuff in Utopia also, that show. They're, really? They, they, yeah, they're de they decoding. No what it is, way. is they're on a search for somebody called Mr. Rabbit, and they're decoding a Mr. comic book. Mr. Rabbit? Yeah, and the comic like book has a lot, of, a lot of code. Yeah, a lot of wow. code that you, and numbers. and. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow, not because, you know, because that's there. That's not an accident that they have it in there. They're either trying to get us to go down a rabbit hole, you know, with the numbers thing, because yep. it's, it's real or it's not real, or they, they're revealing their method or whatever. And I have to say, this, what's going on, is so bizarre to me. It's so superhuman. It's so transhuman. It's so outside the realm of my biological slash spiritual experience that I, it's just hard for me to believe that these people are operating on this same realm, this kind of heaven and earth realm. Well, and why, why was event 201, why did they predict 65 million deaths? Because pandemic equals 65. And who's Mr. Pandemic but other than Mr. Bill Gates? Yeah. And he got married to his wife, um... 65 days after his 38th birthday, pandemic equals 65 and 38. And then also, um, that event 201 was 65 days before Melinda Gates' 65th birthday where they predicted 65 million dead. So all of these 65s with the pandemic ritual that they were putting on at event 201. And then why 201? Because that's a huge Jesuit number. Jorge Mario Bergoglio, the first public uh. Jesuit pope, equals 201 and and he lives in 
he's the first pope ever, I guess, to live in Suite 201. So he's 201 <laughs> to his core. Yeah, he doesn't live in the normal place. That's true. And the guy who coined the term coronavirus, his name equals 201. So, I mean... Well, who is that? Coronavirus has been around. Uh, uh, Zach put it on his... Uh, it's a post on his Gematria yeah. Effect news blog. The, the guy who identified the newest one or one a long time ago? It was back in 68. Um, also, when World Trade Center construction began was in 68 as well, 33 years before the towers fell. Yeah, I, I noticed a lot of number stuff, too. I don't know about this particular. It sounds definitely it sounds interesting. I want to look into it now. Um I, part of me wonders if they put stuff out there like this to, like you said, Monica, to pull us down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And but I also think that it doesn't these, mean it's not true. These, these occult communication systems, though, if you read about how they communicate with each other, they do speak in code. They do Can lose you tell symbols. Us more about that, frankly. No, I cannot because I don't <laughs> know. Enough. I, I only know what I've read, and I found it no, very I mean, fascinating. Where did you read it? Just where did you? I I, I did a search of occult communication systems right. and. And it came up, the, the clandestine, and like well, intelligent HD, clandestine community spy communication systems came up, and like they have a whole network of, of ways they communicate. Oh, means secret, so they. Yeah. I mean. And and what better way than if they know this knowledge, then they could write a CNN article that just seems completely like off the wall. Like what what does that mean? And then you go through it with the gematria, and it's like they got this, they got this, they got this, and. A huge number throughout this whole thing was 56, because uh, coronavirus equals 56. And you had Gavin Newsom saying 56% of Californians might be affected. It's like, where are you getting these numbers, yeah, dude? I, I heard a montage of, of reports from across the country where it was 33 people diagnosed with coronavirus in San Diego. Yep. 66 people di- diagnosed yeah. with coronavirus in San Antonio. It's all, all on that number scale. Exactly. And then, I, I mean, you could just go on forever with this stuff, and I didn't want to rabbit hole for too long because you guys are so interesting on so many other topics. I just wanted to, I, I know I probably didn't make believers out of you right now, but I mean, some interesting numbers, especially with the 222 and stuff like that. I'm, I'm definitely interested, and I was compelled by that THC, and I am. I am keeping an open mind about it for sure. Two twenty-two. That's the that's the score of the largest, most lopsided football score, college football score in history when Georgia Tech beat Cumberland, two hundred and twenty-two. <laughs> now, now, now you got me thinking. What? Oh, <laughs> hey, and no, and sports are completely. You know, they follow this game uh, to a T. Like, so the Packers. I'm a I'm a Packers fan because I'm from Illinois, and I just hated the Bears. But nineteen sixteen is what it was. Nineteen sixteen. Um, but so the Packers, um, were three and oh, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what the Packers equal. And they, they equal 40. So Green Bay Packers or Green Bay equals 40. So I'm just like, they'll probably win. Cause they got that four and oh Gematria. But then, you know, obviously the counterpoint to that is, oh, well, what if they went, what if they lost? <laughs> it's like, eh, well, then it didn't work out that time, huh? <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like if you were making money on it, oh, at the races, you know, or at in the in the lottery, like if you if there were a way that you could use it. Oh no, Zach! Zach does sports decodes all the time. He uh he actually said 
that LeBron, before LeBron had made up yeah. his mind, LeBron's going to sign with the Lakers. They won't win the championship this this year, but they will win it next year in his 17th season. He'll win his 17th NBA title, and it will tie the Celtics as the most titles in the in the league. And this was two and a half years ago. Uh, and so I was telling my brother, I'm just like, Lakers are going to win it this year, even though it's like, oh, well, dude, they got Anthony Davis and they got LeBron James. Of course they're going to win it. And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's in the numbers for them to win it. If he would have said he's going to win that 17th title with the Lakers inside of a bubble and it's, it's going to happen, <laughs> then I would have been, you would have had to in October. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we all knew LeBron was going to win no matter what because he's the man of the hour. Oh, all the cult symbolism that he he's throws out before the games? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's doing all the devil 666 signs and when he throws up the baby powder and all that stuff. So he's he's an interesting character. But also, um, you guys remember, maybe, maybe not you, Monica, but when um, the Seahawks elected to pass on the one-yard line and not run it with Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. A couple of years ago, it was ridiculous. So yeah. the date was... Obviously, they threw it. The date was February 1st, and it was second and goal on the one-yard line, so it was second and one. And it was Russell Wilson's 21st pass attempt where he threw an interception to number 21 with 21 seconds left. And it's just like, damn, dude, they get it so perfect. And I see stuff like that. And then also watching the Packers last year, there was one game where number 33 fumbled the ball in the 33 with 33 seconds left (laughs) in the second quarter. And you'd be surprised how often that happens when you notice these patterns. Hey, you might be interested in this guy, Paul Kammerer, I think his name was. He, I read a book, which I've talked about before, by Arthur Kessler called The Tale of the Midwife Toad. And it was in 1925, Paul Kammerer basically disproved Darwin. Like, there was just no way Darwin was right. He proved it, and then he committed suicide in a way that was impossible for him to actually commit suicide. Like, oh. he shot himself in the back of the head. Oh, there's a bunch of times with the, with the cult ritual, they'll... They'll hang someone from a doorknob, and that's just kind of a, a thing. Oh, like, like the one guy, Carradine. Yeah. And uh, Pete Bertain. But yeah. let me just tell you about Paul Kammerer so you know for future reference. He had a coincidence theory. Like, he literally wanted to make scientific this theory of coincidence, that it was not really coincidence. So I just uh, commend you to look up Paul Kammerer. I'll send Paul you. Kammerer. No, I definitely got to look him up. Um, I'm sending it to you. I'm sure that's how you spell his name, though. Fantastic. Um, one thing that I just randomly thought about that I, I wanted to get you guys to go a little deeper on was Seth Rich. Because you guys say that, um, you know, he's not like this Q hero that uh, all the Q people paint him out to be, that he was leaking information to WikiLeaks and downloading servers and all this stuff. And I just... I don't think I ever really heard you guys go deep on that, but I have heard you reference it before. Well, I can tell you, for me, the second I saw that that guy, the second, I remember the second it flashed, I think I saw it on Facebook, that he was killed in the middle of the night or whatever, and he wasn't really robbed, and he was a staffer, and I thought, wow, that looks like an assassination. I'm sure we will never hear about this again. And then 
I, a couple of weeks later, or months later, I heard, I was listening to WSB in my car, and Eric Erickson was conspiratizing about, about Seth Rich. And it's like, Eric Erickson is talking about a possible conspiracy, cover-up, assassination of this guy, Seth Rich. So at that moment, I was pretty confident that this was, we were being played and drawn in. And then uh, once somebody gets a hold of stuff like that, and it's kind of like Pizzagate to me. It goes on and on. It's, there's never anything's going to come of it. Yet this whole cult experience surrounds it and... You know, there's really no point in, uh, this is one of my favorite new words, perseverating on that, just going over and over on that thing. Like, it seems like a kind of a self-contained whirlwind distraction. And then actually, when we... Well, Pizzagate was kind of used to cover up, uh, because at the core of the Pizzagate conspiracy was there are actual uh, sex... Uh, pedophile rings that had run and they threw they lumped that in together and they used Pizzagate to discredit that idea mm. that high liberals and, and, and whoever powerful people and maybe the South Rich thing the same way but the but focusing on the conspiracy that's never going to resolve itself seems like it traps me and I will just say the last thing is that I did when we were on Tripoli and talks about the Awan brothers remember that yes yeah. that that uh, he or Seth Seth Rich came up in that, in that people were trying to connect them. Like there was a picture that he was with those guys. You know, the Awan brothers were, they were tech workers inside Congress. And I actually did find one connection between them and this super shady doctor who I will, I'm just going to call him a double agent, an Iraqi guy who was supposed to be doctor on the ground over there, like just regular guy being interviewed by the press. And then, Secretly, then you know, sometime later, he's the uh, he's the liaison with the transitional government, like so. And that was the guy who either lent them money or bought out there or sold them the the car dealership. Like there was some definitely some shady stuff with those guys. But the one thing that was that that they were trying to connect Seth Rich with that whole thing, according based on a single picture, supposedly that was Seth Rich and the Awan brothers. But I looked at that picture. I, you know, for a long, long time, just like I looked at the Sarnayev brother pictures for a long, long time and came to very different conclusions about the connections in those pictures, I did not think that the Seth Rich picture with the Awan brothers was, was really Seth Rich and the Awan brothers. I did not, I was not convinced by those yeah. alleged connections. Mm. Well, they declassified a lot of the Russia Hillary email related stuff that, I mean, they're not openly accessible to the public. I think Freedom of Information Act, people are probably trying to get them all right now. And I'm sure there's way too many documents for any single individual to go through on their own, probably thousands of documents. I would, I would, if I had a question about Seth Rich, I would uh, look through those documents in yeah, my You can my get searches. them on PDF. You can just find Seth. Yeah, I'm wondering if that, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those, seeing what's in some of those when they do eventually come out. What, what do you think about it? What do you think about Seth Rich? I mean, I, I've never really gone that deep on Seth Rich. Um, I've just always, I mean, I have an open mind on everything. And so when I start hearing the Q crowd glorifying him, and um, I went to like a uh, anti-child exploitation march, like March for the Children or whatever, and there were a ton of Q people 
telling me about Seth Rich, telling me about how they're going to turn the 5G towers into Tesla towers for free energy. And I was just like, these people have completely lost their minds. So when, <laughs> so when they well, talk about... What about Seth Rich? That he... That he had leaked, and that he was murdered, right? yeah. That he had leaked well, he the documents to right. WikiLeaks, and that he was the really big thing that kicked off all of these two hundred thousand sealed indictments, and you know he was really the catalyst for Q, Q and that whole community. And so, instant red flag, and I was just like, okay, what's this guy really all about? I just, I had the same feeling about Q that I had about Seth Rich. I mean, I, I've been around for a long time. I've had some really great moments. I've uncovered, I cracked the code on MH17. I, I cracked the code on the Sarnia Brothers to the point where I saw the very pictures that I was talking about earlier, which I unearthed and grouped together show up in the exact same configuration on Alex Jones's website. So I've had stuff, I'm not bragging about that, I don't care. It's just that I've had stuff that has should have blown the lid off thing. I read in an article in Pando about Pierre Omidyar being behind the scenes in a Ukrainian revolution at the same time that he was supposedly partnering with Glenn, Glenn Greenwald to help Edward Snowden. So, like, you see things that are should be blowing the lid off of conspiracies and false flags and relationships and official narratives that go absolutely nowhere. These things go mm. nowhere. And then, at, at the same time, you see overnight the Pizzagate thing or the Sethridge thing, and specifically the Q thing, just exploding onto the scene. This is the guy who knows everything. And I, I just feel like if it's real, it's suppressed. And if it's there, I'm not saying this stuff isn't true or isn't mostly true or mostly false. I don't know. But I believe when stuff gets that kind of treatment, that kind of validation, when I see nothing but Q on the front page of CNN every day, I didn't, Ron Paul wasn't treated that way when he won Iowa. I just don't, I feel like it's a setup that you just not, the propaganda machine does not bow to the truth. Yeah, also some things, if, in the propaganda literature talks a lot about not you can't everything can't be concealed and it, it if stuff is going to leak out then you you leak it out to your you let it out on the timely timeliness that would benefit you and you you do it in a way where you can you can bury it by getting exposure to it and making people just disgusted by it making them just re revolt anytime they hear that information I, and so with, with Q and with Pizzagate They've created kind of these buckets that there was definitely some kernels of truth at the center of the Pizzagate thing. And any time an allegation about Jeffrey Epstein would come up around that time, they just go, oh, that's just a Pizzagate thing. Of course, now, a couple of years later, Mainstream the truth news. has been revealed a little bit more. But back then, anybody who brought up Jeffrey Epstein got thrown into the Pizzagate category where they might not have even known what Pizzagate was. See, and the same thing is done with Q. The Jeffrey Epstein thing, you can pretty much see why it got more public knowledge against their better interests, because Virginia Roberts and Bradley Edwards pursued it, and they were dead to rights, and it was really a big deal, and I think that that's what was the difference maker, and that's when they decided, it's like, it's like the Sarnia brothers, they were outed by Russia as being CIA agents, and that was it for them, then the operation surrounding them changed course, well, and same yeah. thing with Epstein, in my opinion, but the Q thing is something different, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, 
I just can't. I just can't I mean, see. Every, anti-masking is a Q theory. Anti-masking was was started by Q. Shut down, lockout, lockdowns, uh, protests started by Q. Anything that they don't oh, like. Oh yeah, started I, by I Q. totally understand what Q is used for. Yeah. I'm saying I don't believe that Q is organic. Oh yeah, just, I'm not. I'm not saying it's organic. I'm yeah, it just emerged to inorganically. QAnon, another 201. The most damning document in the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, which is openly out there, and we've talked about it, is still, I've never heard anybody on the mainstream talk about it, and that's the plea negotiation letter that has the people who are vouching for Jeffrey Epstein, this is why you should give him a deal, and the people that that, that are vouching for him, that they're citing, are Bill Clinton, it's that he, he was one of the founders of the Clinton Global Initiative, it's the Rockefeller Foundation, it's the Trilateral Commission, it's the Council on Foreign Relations. These are all the things that are cited in that plea negotiation letter, which was the basis of that original sweetheart deal that he got, and nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. What are you reading into that? I'm reading into that when they tried to make it a Trump scandal, when it was so obviously a a Clinton scandal. They still do that. It was so obviously tied to the Clintons, so obviously tied... To, I mean, would a former president give his permission to have his name used in a plea negotiation letter for somebody who was in jail for... A, so, see, a now, problem. that's a completely true story. All of that is stuff is true. There's yeah. tons and tons of evidence. You can really tell what that is all about. It makes sense. And uh, much of it has been exposed, whether they like it or not. It was just too big, too big. And, and still, it's... They... They can control some right. elements of it, yeah. and that's why I feel like just oh, this Q is out of control. We can't figure it out. We have to just completely suppress the whole thing. It's just such a and it, and there's so much of it, and it just yeah, like you said, it can sustain anything. It can put anything in that basket. It can take down people and topics and and just to be a, a massive distraction. I mean, I was hearing a, a journalist from the left. I think he would not call himself from the left, but it's definitely from the left saying just animated about how these this that whole kind of vein that whole left, right alt right q whatever vein is is violent you know is is the problem just put them in a big basket like that a very nebulous group many of the elements of that like they say the boogaloo boys the proud boys have funny quirky little origin stories kind of like the way the okay sign was just decided you know like an experiment to say it's bad and then once they decided it was bad and you didn't bend the knee and say it's bad i avoid that then you're bad because you must have meant it knowing now what it means you know like all this stuff is just a big soup that that it just it seems to me like a a, you know there's a four trillion dollar deficit we're all locked in our houses like fuck that stuff sorry yeah and uh (laughs) no no apologies and um, to more of that point, and then Q is like, they're eating their own. Uh, there's this guy who, uh, his name, I think his YouTube name was Educating Liberals, Dylan Wheeler. He was huge on the uh, bandwagon for Q, and then recently he made an hour and a half, like almost documentary on his channel about how Q is a psyop. And he's like, look at all these things, biblical prophecy, oh. revelation, blah, 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 blah. And a youngish, skinny guy with dark hair and pale skin. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah. that looks like a psyop to me. Really? Yeah, only because, well, I tweeted about it. I read the article, and I got so many responses because I don't. I'm not really in that space too much, and I just got so many responses that were like, "This guy's 
backstory is totally inconsistent with what he what he's presenting himself as. But you know what? I'm going to back off of that because I don't. I'd have to. I didn't really decide to analyze that, so let me go back and do that. You don't think so? Oh uh, well, I I hadn't gone deep on his personal life. I mean, I I just watched his video and I thought a lot of the information he was presenting was information okay. that I had already thought about Q, and then you have and I, you had a fellow Truth Community member who is a Q guy, and he came out and just lambasted him, said he's dead to me, all this stuff. I'm just like, the Q guys, like, you're either Q or fuck you, because that's exactly the kind of message that he was putting out. And so, and ha- go and ahead. How weird is that? Yeah. Like, how weird is that? What is What does Q stand for? Ch- protecting children? Like, what? I don't really understand it. Like... I, I don't understand, you know, to put all your energy in that, it's really to put your energy into the concept that we, that Trump is Batman and we need to give him the space he needs to operate this cleanup mission. And I'm and still waiting for those those 10 of days of darkness that they always talk about and how Event 201 foreshadowed and internet shutdown. I'm waiting for that to come around because well, I feel like it's coming. Right? What's well, that? Yeah, the, the internet... I don't know if it's related to that, but definitely has, like, the, the, the internet's definitely been shutting down a little bit, and 911 nationwide shut down for a little while, a couple, uh, like, maybe two weeks ago, but oh, yeah, wow, I don't know I didn't, what that's related to. Yeah, I didn't know about that, and I think you guys were the first people to educate me about Jeffrey Epstein back in 2018 when you guys were talking about that and after that podcast I just spread that like wildfire I'm like there's a there's a billionaire with an island he, they're molesting children and they're, they're looking at me like I have two heads like I'm this crazy guy and then and now it's okay to think that yep yeah I, I have friends that I, I would send the entire court document to back in 2016 and I would point out the plea negotiation letter these are people who were big Clinton supporter and they would look at it and they would just met they would dismiss it as nothing and then fast forward to 2019 2018 today they're they're you know at the front lines of saying Jeffrey Epstein and, and Trump are buddies and I'm like yeah. hey, 40 years ago you were telling me it doesn't seem like Jeffrey Epstein really did anything because you're not actually read the document but now that your media is presenting it it's a whole different story and isn't that how it always is? Yeah. But on the, on the other hand, you know, it sounds like I'm bashing Q. I don't, I, I'm not, I don't have any animal. I hope, I, I hope it's real because the, what, what they have planned for us and all of this predictive oh, yeah, programming, Event 201, I mean, I, dude, it scares me beyond belief. And I, I wish Trump was out there kicking ass and uh, executing Tom Hanks and you know all the rest of it that the Q community believes in. I mean, I I hope that's real. But I mean, but, I I see no evidence. But the flip side is the Russian collusion thing. Mm, yes. So Trump isn't Batman. He's the Joker. You know. Yeah, he's that's true. Evil, yeah. You know, he's the penguin or whatever. You know, he just is one or the other. And I'm like, can't you see that this guy's job is to, he's, he is Truman. Like he is the guy who's on 24 seven. He's just this, it's almost like a soap opera marathon. Like how long can this character 
keep it like it's like general hospital who was on 24 7 for eight years and the and the and the actors just improv the whole time you know and they they took their showers like on the set you know just came back out and just and that was it and the and the meanwhile like the whole rest of the country everything outside that set while everybody's inside glued to the tv set and they are doing their thing you have this twilight zone dystopia you know transforming the countryside from four million acres burned in California to chasing everybody out of New York and having Eric Schmidt and Bill Gates reimagine New York from an economic, <laughs> educational, and healthcare point of view. That is what is happening right now, really on the books in the mainstream media while everybody is fixated on this caricature, caricature or character, depending on which side of it you turn out. I mean, down to even like the way you can make a cartoon out of his hair. And it's really uh, something you've talked about, Monica, is how he's so sharp. And it's it's weird for me to give him, you know, compliments because I'm always dogging him. But, I mean, he is so smart and he's always on. It, especially with that Q, when he got that Q um, question in the press briefing or whatever. Like, he... It was the perfect answer to lead on the Q community. He's yeah, like... He's good. Oh, I'll give you that. I I can't believe he how he's always doing debate. it. Oh yeah! He like oh, he was a bully. It's like I cannot believe that at this stage in the play that these puppets actually can even you know you can't you couldn't even see the strings. You know this guy was answering the questions. He was rubbing his brain cells together. I'm telling you, when I was an investment banker, I would every once in a while be. You know, in the circles of somebody who was just too, too important. It reminded me of what Howard Stern used to say. Like, at a certain level of, like, fame and wealth, no one will tell you if the jeans you want to buy look bad on you. Like, no one will say, yeah, that looks bad. There's nobody left. Mm -hmm. Nobody will talk to you. And after you're in that world for enough years, you forget. Like, there's no consequences to your behavior. You forget what it is to be human, and you may even start believing your own BS about ego, and everyone's just kissing your ass, and you are kind of, I think, their their puppet. Like, the way Stephen Hawking might have just been, like, a puppet, you know? You never really heard his voice. And I think about, about when I've been interactive with those people, they can't really... I, I've noticed this maybe three times... I don't know if it's they look at you like I don't need to talk to you or I've forgotten how to think on the fly or I worry so much about what I say that I can't just answer truthfully. Like there's it's often a weird aura about people like at that level. And I think when you see Biden, like, you know, whether he's addled or scripted or what, like there's just something, you know, there's an uncanny valley. Like there's just something weird about that kind of person. They just don't seem real. You can see with Kamala Harris, she's just acting, you know, and, oh, and my Mike Pence is just wooden. But Trump is answering the questions, you know, and this is not an idiot. And I think part of it is he doesn't drink, you know, he doesn't do anything that could ever, you know, he could never have his guard down. And I just, I feel like... That's that what Madonna came out and said today. What? She never drank or did drugs. Madonna. <laughs> I said believe that. it. I believe it. Wow. Because she's an almost a, really an unmatched powerhouse yeah. of money-making and iconography or whatever. Like, you see Britney Spears, she had to shave her head off because she didn't want to get, like, an acid test. And, you know, I, I believe that they have to, if they want to be that, that good, that 
perfect, they have it's to. It's hard to maintain that kind of level of performance if you're doing anything. And and uh, Brad, yeah, you've I you've see. talked about this with Kamala. Um, you know that moment in the debate with Pence when she was just like. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm talking. That, yeah. to me, was such a scripted moment for her to be like, I'm strong, I'm powerful, and, and like just like show yeah. to the world, like, I'm not taking it from this white guy. Right, that's, that's exactly what it was. And, and even Pence laughed at it. I, I, I mean, I felt like he was laughing at how blatant, uh, like a staging... It, it, this is yeah, history your time I, to do the yeah. it was just so stupid <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was just like that moment was almost scripted to happen that exact way for yeah, it. I'm sure it probably was yeah she was she just waiting a lot of that. oh yeah but back to Britney Spears you guys don't think that she was cloned I've heard those <laughs> I'm just I haven't even gone one. down that rabbit hole Yeah. Well, anyway, and the, <laughs> the best the best quote I ever heard on um, uh, duplicating people um, was by Dave Chappelle. They're like, Dave, are like, are you a body double? Like, were you cloned? He's like, how the fuck would I know? <laughs> and I'm just like, that is the perfect answer. Like, if I was, how would I know? But. Anyway, guys, I I appreciate so much. I want to respect your time, Monica. I appreciate so much you guys coming on. I wanted so badly to have this conversation and just shoot the shit with you guys because you're hands down my favorite researchers, and I respect so much of what you do. And um, I'd love to join you guys on the next um, Disappearing Patron Party. Yes, we will see you there. And uh, thank you very much. And I'm sure it seems like we only just touched on a few things. And there's probably a lot more we could get into. So anytime, let us know. And uh, we'll be back. Definitely. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you guys very much. Have a wonderful night. Have a good one.